smoother if we looked at each other okay well you know how i feel about looking directly into your eyes and eye contact in general it's a good point yeah eye contact jaco says no so so today on this episode of pods in the key etc we are looking at episodes (laughs) four and five there's no disgrace like home and but the general but le genre yes Le Bart du Général. <laughs> Alright, so there's no disgrace like home. That's the... Um, there's something I want to comment about right off the very top. Okay. Opening scene where the, um, the you're panning through the city before you get to the chalkboard gag. Yep. There's a sign that says semi-painless dentistry. I don't know. I, I don't think I noticed it in the second or the third episode, but I noticed it in the fourth and I was happy. Semi-painless. Semi-painless. That is, uh, do you think Dr. Colossus maybe got his start there? Ooh, Could we're getting a... on super early to the Colossus train. I don't have that much Colossus material this week. Oh, shit, okay. So, uh, I don't know, you got to find it, you got to make do with what you have real end. Because we're so convinced that he plays a major part in the formative episodes of this show, well before he actually makes his appearance. Anyway, mm. let's talk about There's No Disgrace Like Home. Okay. So, this is the episode where they go to a function at Mr. Burns' manor. The Simpsons, the family fucks everything up in Homer's eyes. Homer <laughs> gets very angry and eventually they all electrocute each other and possibly die. So, yeah. This starts off, what's the chalkboard gag on this one? I will not burp in class. Which is, there's a lot of burping in this episode, so that's a little, there is. little meta com. It's not really meta commentary, but there's, you know... They establish early on Did that... Did you just call me Terry? <laughs> I don't think I did, but they established did say, early on. Did you just say it's not a meta comment, Terry? Fucking hell. <laughs> anyway, they established burping early on as this sort of a transgressive action, which I think is sure. very important. So starts with a fight between Bart and Lisa over who loves Homer more, and then the gag turns out to be that they're each arguing that the other person loves Homer more. And you see something like this, and you start to think... No wonder Homer is out there killing people every night, which oh, I think yeah. is now firmly established as fact. I would agree. He's he's getting uh, no love and support from home. At least in this uh, this first season. So they all mm. go off to Mr. Burns' manor. This is the first time we see where Mr. Burns lives. That's true. The whole thing about gelatin early on, where they take the gelatin to the party and there's already a lot of gelatin there. I feel like gelatin is a very... At this point, outdated dessert item. I remember gelatin was a big thing in like the 70s, I want to say. Yeah, there was lots of gelatin stuff. And the thing is, all the, if you ever look through old cookbooks, which is something I do surprisingly often, uh, anything to do with gelatin in an old cookbook is pretty much fucked. Yeah. Like you get things like, you know those big ring cake molds? It'll be like a mushroom mousse. In one of those cake molds, but before you put the mushroom mousse in, you put like an inch thick layer of gelatin with like bits of flaked salmon in it or something like that. So that when you turn it out, you've got like a crown of bits of salmon floating in clear gelatin with a big uh, foundation of mushroom mousse under it. All those desserts are stupid. Marge didn't do that. She put marshmallows inside jelly, which... I mean, George likes the bananas on the side. Yes, exactly. Did you ever watch Mushroom Moose as a kid, by the way? Mushroom Moose? Yeah. Uh, was, that, was that the, um, <laughs> the dessert-based spin-off of <laughs> Rocky Road? Um, uh, no, wait. Rocky Road and Bullwinkle. That's the joke I tried to make. Fuck. Damn it. Anyway, they go to, they go to Burns' Manor. Fuck. There's a, there's a frame of animation that we both notice in this when they're panning across the party. And there are two kids on a on a little path running, but they're not really running. They're just vibrating on the spot. Yeah, it's super weird. What do you think's going on there? I'm thinking something's going on. This isn't normal behavior by Can any I means. Can I suggest Colossus has them trapped in a time bubble? Okay, I was thinking maybe Colossus, but also this seems more Frankian than Colossus. Frankian? Yeah. 
far I out. think maybe Frank is getting involved at this point. Another Let's... character we haven't seen yet. Maybe I'm getting a little too abstract at this point. So they run. Homer's running around chasing his kids, demanding they be normal. Meanwhile, Marge gets fucking hammered at this party, which I Approve. I appreciate and <laughs> yeah. enjoy. And yeah. uh, I, really... I've, I've got a note here that says when Marge drops off um, Maggie in the room where all the other kids are, and they turn on the TV with Happy Little Elves. There's a recurring thought I have in all these early Simpsons episodes of they don't seem to realise how much heat is going to be generated from the big cathode ray tube TVs. Like later on, when we see uh, Herb Powell, he's got a cathode ray tube TV the size of a wall. You're going to be able to heat a whole village off the amount of heat that produces. And there's a big TV in that room. So it's the first time this year that I've thought, the first time in this viewing that I've thought, I am unnecessarily large cathode ray tube TV. So do you think there are going to be ill effects from this? Maybe some of the children mutate? Ooh, possibly. That's how it works, right? I'm pretty sure that's how it Being works. Being exposed to a lot of heat from a TV, that's what happens. Oh, it certainly leads to mutations. Every child that I've seen who spent time in front of a warm TV has grown taller. What does that mean? Hmm. That's worth pondering. For maybe the rest of the podcast. So let's, <laughs> let's go down that alley. <laughs> anyway. Did you notice during the... Maybe this is pedantic. Maybe this isn't interesting at all. But did you notice during the drinking scene, everyone's drinking out of paper cups, except for Marge, who has a mug with a handle. I didn't notice that. Did she bring this mug from home? Did she bring that mug from home? Did she so well pre-prepare to get drunk at this party that she brought her own mug? I don't think I ever got drunk out of a mug. No, I imagine it's... uh, I mean, it makes sense. You've got that nice handle to grip onto. Sure. But she gets absolutely fucked, and Homer is pissed at her, of, of course, because uh, there's another sort of role reversal happening in this episode where mm, mm, mm. Homer is uh, Homer is the one who seems to have his ship moder- moderately together, while the mm. rest of the family are just running around bebopping and scatting all over the place. Mm. That's noticed at one point. Bart throws a rock at Homer's head, and it hits him pretty hard. Mm. And you know what head trauma usually results in, right? <laughs> Uh, is it to do with Dr. Colossus? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, head trauma. If you have head trauma, it can lead to oh, sure. killing down the track. Yeah, oh, to, uh, cool. it's one that of that other podcast we listen to. It's one of the three signs that they talk about on My Favourite Murder. Yeah, so also at this party, we have the, the sack race. You want to talk yeah, about that for when a was the last time you did a potato sack race? Oh, this morning. Oh, okay. Yeah, before, before we recorded, I went out and I competed in the annual sackathon. The annual sackathon. Yeah, the annual sackathon. How'd that go? I lost. Is it a little big planet themed thing? It's a. It's this event, right? Sure. You go. You take your sack out. <laughs> you jump around a lot. <laughs> okay. Tell me more. <laughs> okay. Well, the thing about the sackathon, <laughs> please, is that the loser gets fired from their job. What? So it's a it's a whole difficult thing. Like you have. How to, do the organizers have the authority to do that? You get a letter signed by your boss, and at the end of the sackathon, if you don't jump effectively with your sack, it's you you get fired. Man, I never knew. I thought this conversation was go down the line of how outdated the potato sack races and do they still do them at, sc- at primary school sports days? But instead, you've opened me up to a whole new world. How far down this path should we go? Uh about. Let's scoot back, I think. Yeah, let, let's go less far down than we've already gone. Let's get to my uh, my life-ruining moment from this episode. As I've established in the first two episodes, which hopefully you've listened to at least five times by now to get all the secret hidden at messages least. we included in them, uh, there's a ongoing theme here where The Simpsons has imprinted itself on me so heavily that it has ruined my relationships with certain words and things and people, and just my ability to function in everyday society. And oh, you're okay. In this one, it is the way Mr. Burns says yes when... Yes. Yeah, are you ready, Mr. Burns? Yes. <laughs> you set, Mr. Burns. Yes. <laughs> Go, Mr. Burns. <laughs> yes. So, and that I have an like, odd relationship with the word yes now yeah. because of this episode. And it comes back again later um, uh, when Burns takes over all the TV stations. What? Home already? Yeah. Yes. What? So soon? Yes. That's the one. Which, 
You know how a lot of people tell you you should say yes to things? You should say yes to life. I can't say yes to life because my concept of the word yes is so tied into this bitter old twisted man. Yes. Yes. So, um, so The Simpsons has fucked me in this way. My, my favorite line, we're about to scoot past it. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to put my favorite line in now because that's where it is. If you sure. want to do your favorite line later, that's fine. I respect yep. that. My favorite line is when the band is playing and Burns <laughs> yells, cease that infernal tootling. Cease that infernal tootling. You are big on tootling in general. A huge fan of it. I've got a friend of mine who, um, she is a trombone player in an orchestra. Hello, if you're listening. I probably aren't. Uh, and I constantly refer to what she does, which is, you know, orchestral brass playing as tootling. Why do you have such a respect issue with your musician friends, Nick? <sighs> really backed me into a corner there, Jackal. Anyway, soon in this episode, Mr. Burns, uh, he threatens to release the hounds on everyone within 10 minutes if they don't get out of there. First releasing of the hounds. And I'd like to talk about these hounds. So these hounds... Sure kill people if they catch them is that what's implied by the series at large do i need to update my death toll remember in episode one i said i was going to keep a death toll and then have done nothing of the sort yeah what's it up to by now like 57 57 that's really high yeah and i know you've been keeping very specific notes oh yeah i've got a tally of both the um the death count and of how many days until i'm out of this cell well the only two things that people use tallies for Shortly after this, Homer imagines his family as a family of demonic ghouls of some kind, driving yes. the car with them into hell. Sure. There's, there's something really wrong with this man that nobody is addressing within the show, I feel. Even when they go to therapy later in the episode. Mm. I mean, nobody calls the police. The police do come after him at one point, but hmm, there's something really going on here. I don't think it's normal to... No. Think of your family like that. Are you suggesting that not only has he got head trauma, but he's also got some um, uh, some like psychological abnormalities? He's having he's having delusions. He's having delusionary visions. I think without a doubt, he's having delusions. Oh. I think there's some really. Uh... I hope things turn out okay for Homer. Yeah, well, I think the season. You know, maybe you remember this better than I do, but I think the season probably ends in him killing his family. Sorry, I just looked over your notebook and saw one of your notes. The top one on that page. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, um, we'll get to that eventually. This is a sure. non-visual podcast. Yes. So, soon Homer is praying to God at the dinner table, asking why he has, uh, why God has cursed him with this family. And I feel like... The role reversal in this episode is really weird and consistent throughout the whole thing, and Homer yep. doesn't act like this in any other episode. No. Maybe in the entire show. Mm. And Marge gets dulled down to basically nothing throughout the whole thing. Yeah. So this is a... It's very early to be flipping the characters that extreme, isn't it? It's and, only episode four. And then that scene where they, they go to the different houses, and they're looking in the windows, and that old man comes out with the shotgun... <laughs> And, and he fires, fires at, at them. them, and maybe he hits one of them, and <laughs> they're falling to the ground. Fifty-eight, fifty-eight. That's my. I've just updated my death count. Okay. So, do you think there's any possibility? <laughs> <laughs> that he manages to hit one of them. What? Where are you going with this? And the rest of the series, all the dying dream. Little Bart Simpson. No. You reckon? I think it's a possibility that we have to consider. Oh, I'll consider it. And uh I don't know why it I would said explain that so the it would explain the odd activities in the rest of the episode. I suppose that's frankly, true. Not to mention the whole series. Well, yeah. So soon Homer is at the pub, at mm-hmm. the tavern, he's watching the boxing. Mm-hmm. And the boxing seems to be fucked in the world of The Simpsons. We just see a guy getting punched repeatedly in the top of the head. Yeah, I don't think that's a legal move in boxing. No, that's very illegal. Yeah, it's a great way to really badly concuss someone. Stay away from the top of the head. It's my advice. And then Homer gets into a fight with his best friend Barney in the bar. Barney knocks him to the floor. There's a real streak in these early episodes of people just not treating each other properly. Yeah, there's a lot of violence in these early episodes. 
which I guess is meant to be contrasted against them looking in the uh, the houses and seeing all the people who are meant to represent the traditional sitcom family yeah, that the so. Simpsons is subverting, except for mm. the one family with the shotgun, so maybe it doesn't actually go that far. You know, it it's always annoyed me in that scene where they... I know I'm skipping back, but in the scene where they go around looking at uh, through all the windows, it annoys me that none of them realise that they've approached their own house. And until Marge eventually <laughs> says, no, Homer, these are our flower beds. Like, they, they look in to the lounge room and comment on what a dump it is. And then they still go, yeah, well, at least I said on this guy's flight. Like, how has no one clicked at that point? Which is why we have to buy into the idea that it's all just a death dream. Oh, it's a death dream. Death dream. So, uh... The death dream. So, Homer sees this ad for Dr. Marvin Monroe's... Dr. Marvin Monroe! His therapy nonsense and, uh... <laughs> Dr. Marvin Monroe's therapy nonsense. So they have to scrunch together $250. <laughs> sure. Which, I don't know, what is that in, like, modern money? Because this came out, well, like, 1972? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, 1972, but also, they managed to accumulate that money through selling a TV that they've had for a long time. So I feel like it's, like, $17, maybe? $17? I've, I've sold stuff on Gumtree before. You're not getting 200 I wouldn't get $250 for this TV now. The one that we're the one, the one that we've been watching the thing on. That's because this TV is fucked. There's a line yeah, running through it. It's got a big line of dead pixels. But I mean, even if it didn't, you know, it's well, it's it's a three D capable. No one wants that in a TV. No. Um. It it's only got uh. You know, it hasn't got four Ks. Um. And I guarantee you, the Simpsons TV didn't have four Ks. How many was, how many Ks was, does this TV it have? It was purple. Well, I mean. <laughs> It's technically 1K, I suppose, but people don't really use that terminology. You've only got a 1K TV? Well, 4K is is essentially four 1080 screens for, um, you know, 1920 by 1080 screens. Well, and so is... they just stick the four TVs together and that's how you get 4K. Yeah, they glue yeah. them together. Yeah. Like how the first iPad was just four iPod touches glued together. Yeah, or how to create a cows on camera. You just have to stick a bunch of cats together. I don't understand the reference. Okay, well... um. Neither do I. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So, can I say something about the the, the pawn shop? Sure. I'm, I'm noticing a recurring theme here. Now, uh, you remember in episode two of our show, we spoke of our show. Which we, show is that? Uh, Pods in the Key of Springfield. Oh, okay. In that, I spoke about how uh, Miss Milan, who was the um, teacher at the uh, the school for the smart kids. And how the psychiatrist uh, were younger versions of Edna Krabappel and uh, Montgomery Burns, respectively. Yes, as I recall, this is your time travel theory. This is my time travel theory. Um, it's it, it's becoming more than a time travel theory, but I haven't quite put my finger on it yet because I maintain that the uh, the cashier at the pawn shop where they go to sell the TV—that's P A W N for all you listeners playing along at home—same uh, voice as Herman, same color hair as Herman. It's a younger Herman. But I don't think that the younger Krabappel and Burns and Herman are the time travellers. How else can you explain the Simpsons remaining the same ages for like 26 years or whatever they're up to Wait now? a minute. They are the time travellers. Did the Simpsons maintain their age throughout the whole series? I think so. Oh, the, oh sorry. Apart from the Michael Jackson birthday episode. You just blew my mind. What? Um, but di- so, uh, but it's more complex than just straight time travel. Sure. Because yes. there's a universe in which there is a young and an old Edith Krabappel. The Simpsons universe, time has flipped upon itself. You know how they explain that time is meant to be like a the, the, the flat circle you mentioned in episode two yep. of Pods and the Key of Springfield? Yes. Which I think. Wait, what? I was meant to look this up during um, our recording break, but I think it's called a Taurus, where it's like a. Uh, a two no, it's a, it's meant to be like a donut shaped kind of thing, a torus maybe. I don't know. Donut shaped donut. Well, we've got donuts today. I'm gonna eat them, um, uh, like that. But this is like one that's flipped in upon itself, more like an omelet, where the universe exists in two different states of time at once, and the Simpsons are stuck in the middle of it. That uh. You know, the more that I think about it, the more I think that there's definitely canon, that is definitely what is happening, and is indisputable at this point. 
like all of the things you said are not only correct but intentional. I would say not only is it indisputable, I'd say it's irrefutable. Irrefutable. Thanks. God. Well, my comment is that the guy in the pawn shop looks fucked. It's <laughs> 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 like this old creep. Also irrefutable. Yeah, he's this creepy old uh, degenerate man with a... I don't know, there's something going on with this guy. I feel like he's in league with all of the villains, but that's something we'll get into further. Oh, interesting. Into the uh, the show. Interesting. And that was in the days before remote controls. The TV had the, the buttons on the side. Mm. Do you think he's extracting DNA from the fingerprints on that and taking it back to Dr. Colossus? Of course I think that. Of course you do. It's indisputable. So And irrefutable. They go to Marvin Monroe's uh, therapy fuck shake. And they... <laughs> Dr. Marvin Monroe's therapy fuckshake. <laughs> I meant to say shack there, but I was looking at my notes and I've got frosty chocolate milkshakes written here. <laughs> because we get the first mention of the, uh, the aforementioned. So they go to therapy. Homer tries to kill Bart with a lamp. He picks it up at one point yeah, in therapy. In, that's in the waiting room. He's definitely going to smash Bart in the face with it. In the face. There's a lot of... There's a lot of stuff about little faces getting smashed in this. We'll get into that more when we discuss the next yeah. episode, though. Yeah, yeah. They all draw pictures of the uh, the aggressive forces within their lives. The other people draw Homer because, of course, he's an abuser and he's uh, demonic and all of that. Homer draws a jet plane flying through the air, firing yeah. bullets, which, you know, a lot to read into that. Firing little bullets. Uh, Marvin Monroe tells Homer that his family thinks of him as an ogre, not the lovable kind of ogre, like Shrek. My favorite ogre. Who's your favorite ogre, by the way? My favorite ogre. Uh, I'm, I'm, can I get back to you on that one? No, you have to answer right now. Uh, was was Rumpelstiltskin an ogre? <laughs> we'll have to check the history books for that one. Oh. Nikolai Ceausescu. <laughs> anyway, my favorite scene. Sure. I didn't really have a favorite line in this episode, yeah. but my favorite scene is when they're hitting each other with the paddles. Yeah, I've got the some... foam paddles. Yep. And Bart realizes he can do more damage by taking the foam off of his, and he just wails on Marvin Monroe just beats the shit out of him probably cripples him I would imagine so maybe hurts him so badly that he develops an infection and later dies which is supported by the show I think 59 yep absolutely Um, I've got something to say about the the mallet thing so he refers to it as a a kind of therapy where it's useful to take your aggression out now I'd like to refer you to a psychological experiment of course you would uh, (laughs) known colloquially as the hot sauce experiments so there was a situation in which uh, it was one of those you know complex things where the people who were being tested didn't know what they were being tested for because it was all blinded and things like that Uh, they were put into a situation where uh, through a long narrative I think they had an exam that they they had to like work in teams for or something like that to get a good result Uh, and then they were all told that their teammate had purposely done something to screw them over yeah uh, and then some of the groups were told to you know sit here at this this desk in an empty room uh, focus on your anger for five or ten minutes or whatever it was and some groups were told to go into a room and not focus on their anger to actively try to think about something else then they came back and with like a measure this sounds really stupid but they came back with like a measuring jug and like a bottle of hot chili sauce and they were like right you know we've come up with this thing where because we can prove that your teammate screwed you over uh as a punishment, you can decide how much of this hot sauce they have to drink as a punishment. The people who are told to focus on their anger and, you know, squeeze a stress ball or something like that uniformly gave much, much more hot sauce for the enemy to drink as opposed to the people who hadn't been focusing on their anger. By then, they'd given it up. So I'm disputing the effectiveness of Marvin Monroe's theory that if you hit your family members with mallets, you will become less aggressive towards them. You will focus on it. You will hold on to it for longer. I don't agree with his methods. So you don't think beating your children with a mallet is a good way of working out aggression? Well, I mean, I wasn't expecting you to reduce it into such. 
into such black and white terms. The, um, this hot sauce experiment, I'm going to assume they didn't actually make anyone drink the hot sauce. No, they didn't make anyone drink the hot sauce. I mean, these fucking experiments, like, who's stupid enough to think they're actually going to force the other person to drink this hot sauce? Oh, yeah, but who knows what's going on, really? Like, if a scientist walks in and says, oh, you, you're free to fill up this pitcher with hot sauce and they have to drink the whole thing, like, that's not going to fucking happen. <laughs> what's the, what, what planet are you on? I know for a fact that you have an ethics committee to run past. <laughs> Who runs the ethics committee? Frank? It's <laughs> a good hot sauce joke. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right, here you get a box of nails. You get to pick how many they have to hammer into their own dick. <laughs> it's ludicrous. Oh, God. And, so, then, and then what happens? The well, they have to pour the hot sauce over it. So anyway, they, um, they, hook, the, they hook the family into electric chairs... They all electrocute each other. They keep electrocuting the baby. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. I've got issues with that as well. Yeah. Hooking a baby up to electrodes. I mean, it'll work in the short term. The yeah, baby it, will be better behaved. It will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's proven by science and that's just a good fact to know. I mean, I've always said if you've got a problem with a with an infant that keeps, you know, running around the room... Yeah, send a couple of thousand volts through it. It doesn't move very much after that. Yeah, but only do it once. You know, it's unfair on the baby. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I mean, I'd give them a chance to fight back as well. Which, to be fair, they did do with Maggie. And a little, little side note: Do we need to give a disclaimer? Maybe that people shouldn't electrocute their babies. Oh, look, I wouldn't have thought so. Okay, do you think people can just figure out that they shouldn't do that, and we don't mean it? I reckon it's pretty obvious that we're joking. Okay. Okay. We should stop taking this side by get back to the, the podcast. Okay, should we get, should we get back to the po- podcast? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. Thanks. All right. Cool. All right sorry about that, everyone. Um, so Who were those guys? They all get electrocuted. Uh, Was ma- that our legal team? <laughs> Aren't you our legal team? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't have thought so. So they get electrocuted. Maybe they all die. Hard to say. Um, it's a constant possibility with a show like this. Yeah, especially when home is around. Yeah. Uh, they... At the end, they go and they say, look, uh, this didn't work. You promised double our money back if it doesn't work, which is the most crazy policy possible for a therapy operation to run. Yeah. To promise to fix all of your problems in one session or you get double your money back. Double. This has to be some sort of scam. Or some sort of... Uh, Scam's a pretty good word. Yeah, but what, what could the scam even be? Oh, just to get money off people, I assume. But they're giving people money back, more money back than they're taking, it yeah, seems. Yeah, but he's, but he's funded by the hot sauce companies, so... Okay. He's, he's getting a pretty sweet kickback deal, I'm sure of it. Yeah, it's good when you get a hot sauce with a bit of kickback. Nice. So, they decide I'm, they get their, uh, their $500, they're going to go buy a 21-inch television, which is... Look, to my standards, 21 inches is fucking massive. I don't know, like, what kind of TV do you usually watch things on? Well, the one that we've been watching is 55. Uh, I reckon, um, see that, see the, the DVD um, uh, box over there? That's, I'm pretty sure that's 21 inches. Okay, that'll play great on, a, on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> looking at the... I can't even identify what I'm meant to be looking at, but oh, yeah. It's, it's fine. Um, I've got a note here saying that in some shots, the character model of Dr. Marvin Munro reminded me of uh, Greenback, the enemy in Danger Mouse. Greenback, the enemy in Danger Mouse? Yeah. What was Danger Mouse exactly? What did he get up to? What was his deal? Danger Mouse... Um, was like the 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 James Bond of the rodent world. Okay. Um, he had a little sidekick. I would have thought that would be Radical Rat. <laughs> no. Um, uh, he had a little sidekick called Penfold, who was a mole. Yep, I remember um, Penfold. As in like the, the animal mole, not just like a Australian slang for bitch. Or any kind of growth. <sighs> or, or any kind of growth. Um, uh, Penfold. Danger Mouse, on the other hand, showed real growth over the series, as yeah, I recall. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. He did. Um, really came into his own as a lived, killing machine. Lived in a letterbox, had a little car, tried to save the world from from uh, Greenback. Tried and failed, as I recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, he's, he's dead now. Yeah, as are all of our childhood heroes. Especially Ghostbusters. <laughs> Jesus Christ, so Bart the General. No, that was, that was a joke. I, we, we saw that, it, look, it doesn't matter. Uh, but the general, so, uh, there's a, 
odd. Um, what's the what's the plot of by the general first? Yeah, I know. Sorry, I was. Just, I decided I decided that sentence was shit, and I was going to have to cut it. So then I just bailed on the whole thing entirely. Um, so Bart the general, uh, episode five of The Simpsons. Um, starts with uh, cupcakes being baked because it's Miss Hoover's birthday. And often with Simpsons episodes, the first kind of intro sequence is not necessarily related to the content of the episode. There's often a bit of a like a, a three or four minute misdirection. Yeah, a little interstitial. Sure. These cupcakes, on the other hand, vital. Vital cupcakes. Vital to the plot line. If you don't understand cupcakes, you will not understand the following action. By the way, these cupcakes look terrible. Oh, they look the worst. They're just brown lumps of bullshit. And when... With some brown sauce lazily ladled over the top of them. Yeah, totally. And there's one point where um, uh, one of the bully kids, you know, steals uh, the cupcakes off Lisa, starts eating them. For a start, he takes one bite and then just hoiks it over his shoulder. Then takes another bite of another one, hoiks it over his shoulder. How do you eat your cupcakes? Is that why your walls are always so messy? That's not why. (laughs) But he steps on the box as a final destruction of the remaining batch of cupcakes and liquid spurts out everywhere. I've made cupcakes heaps of times and only on a few occasions have they been liquid. Only occasionally does liquid squirt everywhere. Everywhere. That's why my walls are so messy. Um, It's also, also, I believe, the first time we see uh, Mr. Nelson Muntz. Nelson Muntz. Um, and once again, pivotal to the episode. I've often said that Nelson Muntz is the cupcakes of this episode, uh, insofar as um, his pivotality goes. <laughs> and he's got these little fuck kids with him this time. <sighs> yeah. Little... Do we... Are they... They're are two I... little kids. They're identical, except that their skin color is different, because really, on the inside... Aren't we all the same? Yeah. And on the outside, in this case, as well. Yeah, really. Um, is um Is either of them Norm? Is either of them... Well, do you think Norm might be one of their fathers, maybe? Maybe. It's hard to say. The problem is we have such... Well, little... what, do we, what do we know about Norm, really? <laughs> well, well, we know that he's got a kid yep. at uh, Springfield Elementary, and we know that Homer knows him. And we know that he's capable of minding Homer's galoshes, as per dialogue in the first episode. Yes. Yes. Is he some kind of shoe store owner? I think... It's a possibility. Maybe he's a cobbler. Norm, the gumboot caretaker. Much like Adam Sandler in the movie The Cobbler. That's a reference I don't get. In which he plays a cobbler. <laughs> I'm enjoying the way you say it. I'm enjoying the way you say that word. Um, um, so, we go into a... So, Bart gets into a fight with Nelson. Yes. Swings a punch, makes his nose bleed. Well, he's fighting the other kid, but Nelson tries to pull him away. Yes, that's true. Um, But, but so a fight is scheduled, quite literally. I'd like to point out quickly, when when Bart accidentally punches Nelson, and Nelson bleeds a little bit, somebody points it out to him, he says, nah, it happens all the time, somebody else's blood splatters on me. So Nelson is regularly beating children to the point where blood splatters onto him. Like that scene in fucking Raging Bull where Jake LaMotta beats the shit out of that guy in the entire front row of the boxing auditorium, gets covered in blood, and then Jake says, oh, he ain't pretty no more. That's a good movie. I haven't seen any movies. I'm well aware. Yeah, you're aware. That was for the home audience. Um, so then there's a, there's a dream sequence where Bard envisages his own death, which... Is further proof in my book that uh, the therapy of Dr. Marvin Monroe from the previous episode didn't work because I don't think it's healthy for a ten-year-old to be envisioning their own death. Both of the the sort of dream sequences he has here, even in his dreams, he's a sort of pathetic figure. He's being chased. Nothing he's doing is working. He yeah. gets brutally fucking murdered. Brutally. In his dreams, brutal. and then Nelson comes along and steals the cupcake left behind and continues to beat the shit out of his corpse. And going to your thing before about you, you foreshadowed uh, the, there's a lot of face violence. A damn lot of face violence. Um, Principal Skinner in Bart's open casket funeral says the school nurse did such a wonderful job of reconstructing his little face. Which is, by the way, my favourite line of the episode. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to steal it from you. It's quite alright. Um... 
Uh, can Just I say- the use of the term little face is so fucking visceral. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way it lays out the awful destructive power of this boy's fists. It's a really good point, isn't it? Um, also, like, obviously, I understand that the conceit was required for the joke, but how fucked are open casket funerals? Well, that one in particular. In particular, that one. He's got one. the little X's for eyes, as yeah. we all do when we pass. Did, did they sew them like that? You think there's some sort of a, there's some sort of conspiracy happening at the mortician's office? Who do you think's behind it? Who do you think? Who do you think I think is behind it? Norman. Fuck. <laughs> that would explain where he's been. Um, one of my favorite things about that dream sequence is that um, because we're watching Bart's dream, yep. what we've realized is Bart doesn't understand the impetus for the conflict. Because Bart dreams Lisa apologizing, saying, if only I'd given you the cupcake, none of this would have happened. Well, for a start, Bart got a cupcake on the bus. For a second, the conflict that led to his untimely and very young and very brutal death was not as a result of Lisa refusing to give him a cupcake. It was the other kid that was stealing them off Lisa. So Bart doesn't understand what he's even dead for. Well, she also gives him a floor cupcake, one that fell on the floor of a fucking school bus. Well, I would true. imagine the possibility of him having fairly severe food poisoning is what if high. Wendell? What if Wendell had been on that bus? Oh God, I don't even want to think. Let Let's not. Poor Wendell. Um, okay, I'm in our hearts forever. Then we have a little uh, a, a little segment that I'm calling bath time therapy with Marge. I mean, this is after Bart actually gets the shit. Beaten out of it. Oh, I was going to skip over that first fight scene. <laughs> oh, wait. I think you wanted to mention... Because you made a noise and excitedly wrote a note down. Did you want to mention the first person punching? I did want to mention that. That's part of it. Bart gets punched 12 times in the face. <laughs> His face rearranging slightly each time. The only thing I have on my note, Bart punched in the face 12 times. He's fucked. Which I think he is. <laughs> but what really struck me is after that, they dump him in a trash can... Sure. And they roll him down the street, he rolls all the way home, whatever, that's a bit fanciful, but sure. they roll him in this trash can, he is rolling right next to the road in this trash can. Ooh, there yeah. is nothing stopping him from just rolling into incoming traffic. That's a good point. And getting fucking decimated. That's a good, yeah, only one tenth of him would be left. Yeah, the only reason that doesn't happen is because it's a cartoon, so it's only implied, so we know that there's the possibility. Are you saying this isn't real? Well... I think what we have to take into account is that maybe he does get killed while he's rolling home. <laughs> and, uh, I'm not even going to do it again. Let's just, <laughs> let's just keep going. <laughs> um, so, bath time therapy with Marge, where she lays out some uh, some very typically typically sitcom motherly advice about you know you have to stand up and do what's right and blah 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 and don't yep. let, don't let the bullies win. Um, which is, you know, instantly subverted by what Homer says, which is, let's take you on a training spree to kill. Yeah, he literally says, I would rather but die than... At my own hands. Yeah, which I think is um probably going to happen later in the season, if I'm reading things right. If I, I mean, on, on the uh, character arcs that we are setting up, Homer will certainly kill everyone. See, with Homer, the way that he's an absolute... Dogfucker just changes on an episode by episode basis. In this one, his bad parenting is different from his bad parenting in the previous episode. That's a good point. We have to go back a few episodes. Like the first episode, he's a great dad in that episode. After that, it's patchy. Patchy at best. Uh, so then we get to the uh, second fight. The thing yep. I like about this, you may recall the conversation we had about the squeaky pork chop. Yes. And how the, the shot of uh, Homer opening the bag... Um, Yes. Only so it can fall out so that it can be squeezed by Rod or Todd or Schmod or Fod or whoever yeah. whoever it was. Uh, similar thing in the second fight. Bart rocks up wearing a red hat. Only <laughs> so that he can choke it out later on. He's also been advised by Homer to go for the family jewels. The family Continuing jewels. Continuing the, um, the theme of this, of this show of uh, testicular pain. <laughs> for, for kids. Yeah. Game Ryan, the family jewels. That little dude has been a family trademark for generations. I like the implication here that the family has for years been sharing stories about hitting other people. That's an interesting point. In the balls. And also that Homer thinks that the Simpsons have a monopoly on punching people in the balls. Or kicking. Or just or kicking. whatever, you know. It's uh, 
inflicting force upon. Yeah, they like to injure injure people's dicks and balls. Sure. It's an ongoing family tradition, apparently. Absolutely. And then there's a bit of a uh, chat with Grandpa Simpson. He recommends that Bart goes see Herman. Yep. Is he a... Do we know if Herman is a war veteran or a war enthusiast? I believe the implication it is is that he's merely an enthusiast. Merely an enthusiast. They think he lost his arm in the war, but it was uh. actually just from sticking his arm out the window as a kid. And they're not going to let which, some one-armed guy go to war, are they? That's true. And Krabappel foreshadowed the appearance of a one-armed man who also, lost his I have a few arm notes on, in a bus. on Grandpa, by the way. Okay. If we wind it back a bit, uh, it's not really a wind-back noise, but a few things. I really like the, the description when Bart arrives and he is told that Grandpa resides in the third dank room on the left. Yes, good. Good use of the word dank. In Grandpa's room... There is a picture frame with Bart's face in it. And did you did you notice this picture frame? No. Where the frame itself is fucking enormous and the picture of Bart is very small. <laughs> which seems like the opposite of what an old man would need. <laughs> so there's, you know, it's a subversive show. It's subverting our expectations perhaps of picture he's frames. A, perhaps and, he's a frame enthusiast. And if you notice that Jasper's model in this episode, his mouth is about a fucking meter below his nose is buried in his beard. Yeah, I don't think Jasper has a chin. I think his mouth is just part of his beard. I think Jasper <laughs> might be some sort of monstrous creation. I don't think he's an old man at all. Monstrous creation? Yeah. Well, that doesn't seem very plausible unless there was some kind of, you know, secret character who was all running the sinister side of the show from behind the curtain. Yeah, I know. So, unfortunately, I have to abandon that theory because it doesn't match up to anything we've said so far. Absolutely nothing at all. Yeah. Did you notice in Herman's store, though, uh-huh. he's selling Hitler's teeth for $25? <laughs> Do you think that's $25 per tooth or for, like, the whole set? Tell you what, I don't understand what's going on in the Springfield economy. Where, you know, in the previous episode, we see um, a Homer getting $250 to sell his second-hand TV. And yet, Hitler's teeth, 25 bucks a pop. Yeah, I mean, the Hitler's teeth that I own cost a lot more than that. And I, I verified <laughs> their authenticity. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You just have to check Hitler's dental records. Nick, do we, do we need to clarify that I don't own any of Hitler's teeth? Will that make me unlikable, do you think, as a, um, as a figure? Should we clarify that perhaps you don't own any Nazi memorabilia? Well, I don't want to lie to good people. <laughs> okay, well, we'd just like to clarify that uh, Jekyll only owns the, the bare minimum of Nazi memorabilia. Which, considering the current uh, global political climate, I should probably clarify is nothing. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. No Nazi memorabilia. and uh, Actually, what are we doing recording these to release in the future? There will be no future for this planet. Yeah, we really need to turn things around, and I think that we're the people to educate people on how to do that. Okay, sure. Yeah, I've actually got a point. I've got a point right here about the uh, the current political climate. Should we go back to the podcast? Yeah, I guess we probably should. Okay. All, all right, right. All right. All right. Good I'll chat. Meet, I'll, I'll meet you back there. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> the next scene is Bart's rousing war speech in the treehouse. Yeah. Um, and the thing that there was a scene in there which I laughed out loud and said, "Ha ha ha! What a funny indictment on a post-Trump world." Because um, we're we're recording this the day after the inauguration, by the way, to give any context to people um, listening to this. Um, so Bart says, "I cannot promise victory. I cannot promise good times." And everyone leaves the treehouse, and then he says, "Fine, fine, fine. I promise you victory. I promise you good times." Um, and all he needed in there was a wrong, and then it would have been a perfect Trumpism. Yeah, and they, yeah, they clarify that uh, Bud is allowed to send people off to die in some godforsaken rock. Yeah, that's which good. Seems like a thing that could happen over the next few years. Mm-hmm. My main criticism of this episode is that the plan they concoct to get revenge on Nelson yeah. is fucking terrible. You think uh, water balloons are not an adequate source of revenge? Oh, that is get him slightly damp. Yeah, it's really? A bit, it's a bit weird, isn't it? And then Lisa gets assaulted and that's the Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. Main sort of thrust of how the episode wraps up. Yeah, and it's a very, very, very long training montage. Yeah. Where they do like 
four cutbacks to like the the marching squad doing their little uh, call and response thing, and none of them are very funny. No, and the actual the actions they take require very little in the way of physical fitness. Yeah, why are they doing so much training to hurl a water balloon? It's just I don't know. Maybe it's just a good practice to get into in general. Possibly, but the general that is. Oh, oh yeah. that's why it's called... Oh. Yeah, because of the general concerns they have about their own fitness. Yeah, there we go. Well, yeah. I'm glad it'll make sense now. Yeah. So this, uh, the episode, after you know Lisa gets assaulted by that sailor and then punches him in the face... Sure. It ends, I notice, with uh, Nelson has to recognize Bart's right to exist, which is funny because do any of these characters exist, really? Well, I mean... Is there some sort of uh, recognition of dream theory coming in? The thing I would say about it is that some of the characters exist, and some of the characters exist twice. Yep. Because of my time as a flat omelette folded back on itself theory. Yep, your irrefutable omelette theory. My irrefutable omelette theory. My IOT, yep. if you will. Yep. My internationally designated interna- uh, irrefutable omelette theory. My IDIOT. <laughs> If you will. Yep, your scrambled egg theory yes. about, uh, about the world um, and its people. As, yes. So, um, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's quite an existential thing that a... I assume Nelson's also 10 or is he 11? Not sure. Quite an existential thing to say, I have to be aware of this person's right to exist. Yes. Yes. Uh, can I also skip back and say some other thing that I found interesting? I doubt it. So when the final um, uh, Nelson and his two cronies are backed in, um, uh, backed up against the fence, and they're facing the final onslaught of the water balloons, one of the kids steps forward and says, "But we are only following orders." Ugh. Now I'd like to talk about a psychological experiment. <laughs> I think you were just going to talk about Nuremberg. <laughs> no, so so you know the I think they're colloquially known as the Harvard experiments. The one where um, it's it's the one that people use to say, oh, yeah, people f- follow orders even when they know they're doing something like wrong. The Stanford Prison Experiment? Uh, oh, maybe it is Stanford. Maybe I'm wrong. Yes. The one with the, the electric shocks and the fake actors screaming in pain? Oh, no. These are different things. Okay. So, the Harvard Experiment. Maybe uh, mine's proving something entirely different. We'll, we'll get into it when uh, we... We'll get there. So, someone was... The, the person being tested was told, uh, we need you to uh, help us administer this experiment. We're trying to determine levels of uh, pain and pain thresholds. So they had a device which they were told was a device to deliver uh, electric current through the victim um, to determine what the victim's pain threshold was. The victim was an actor in a room that they could see and they could hear a little bit of as well. Um, And so, you know, you'd have... Uh, well, uh, Mr. Johnson, we need you to turn it up to 5 on the dial or 10 on the dial or 20 on the dial. Yeah. Uh, and the person would scream and thrash about more and more and more and more and more and more, more. And once again, nobody suspected that this was a little awry, perhaps? <laughs> well, I mean, that's the problem with these psychological experiments is that they're all mental. Um, but the, the interesting thing is people always use it to say, oh, yeah, and the, the, the people who were doing this um, experiment, they just went along with it and kept cranking up the, the, the voltage and kept following orders and blah, blah, blah. What they don't talk about is the next stage of that psychological thing where when the, the uh, participants started arguing, saying, no, I don't want to do this anymore, I don't think this is right... And they were told, you have no choice, you have to do this. Universally, they all said, well, no, I do have a choice and I'm, I'm not doing this. So, it's always used to, so, it, people always use it to say, oh yeah, people will do anything if they're following orders, including inflict pain on their fellow man. But if you make, make the orders non-voluntary, people stop. Okay, well... Really glad we have that to apply to this scene where a boy doesn't want to get slightly wet. I think they're direct corollaries. Direct corollaries? Corollary. Did I say that right? I don't think we've said anything right on this one. <laughs> it's been great. All right. And then it ends with the uh, little PSA telling you that uh, World War II was great and that it's, uh, you know, there are instances where it's great to kill, but, you know, mm. don't. Don't kill all of your enemies, let some of them live. Mm. That's what they were saying, right? More or less. I'm pretty sure that's what they're saying. I'm pretty sure it was written by Homer. Yeah, you know, like... Scripted uh, by Homer. Yeah, you know, occasionally you want to bathe in the blood of your enemies and sometimes it's fine, sometimes it's not. (laughs) Uh, The Nazis were bad, let's not relive that. 
Let's yeah. uh, try to avoid maybe electing anyone to power who has uh, certain affiliations that <laughs> remind us of any political figures that have oh, in the past... Where are you going with this? ...driven society to... I mean, this is mostly an anti-Obama rant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, should, Obama. Should I, should I clarify that it's not... Or should we, how much trust should we have in our audience, really? I reckon our audience is okay. Okay. I hope it's... I, I mean, it's massive. We've got the numbers that we're tracking are... Yeah, Ridiculous, I yeah. mean, at, at this point, because we've recorded a few in a batch, we don't know if we're tracking on zero or if we're tracking on, you know, like 15 or 20. Yeah, well, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping for at least, at least figures in the double digits. Double digits, this okay. one, yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, let's, should we get yeah, back to yeah, it? Yeah, we'll back back to the, I think it's about yeah. time to wrap it up, maybe. Yeah, I, no, I think it's time to wrap it up, too. Okay. All right, cool. Okay, bye. All right, um... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's probably it for for this episode. We've run through our two episodes. Yep. We finished disc one of season one. Yes. Yes, we have. So it'll be on to disc two and whatever's on disc two. I think we get to. Is it Moaning Lisa is next? Mm, I'm not going to say yes or no. <laughs> it's easily verifiable information that I don't have to hand. Well, I'm sure you know. If listening to podcasts has taught me anything, it's that when people get minor details wrong. The audience of this podcast are never really bothered by it. <laughs> if anyone is bothered by the fact that I got a minor detail wrong, can you not talk to me about it on Twitter, please? Thanks. Are we, are we doing this whole thing again? Anyway, anyway, uh, so find us on Twitter. I am Jekyll, J-I-C-K-L-E. I'm Nick Ibis. And at some point I will set up a Twitter account for, for this. this podcast. You know, probably, unless nobody listens, in which case, maybe I won't. We'll see. Maybe. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I guess. Bye. Yeah. Oh. Huh? Noodles? What noodles? Oh, yeah. Wooza Wuzzle? It's not good. Yeah, I'll be the judge of that. So do we need to like uh, just orchestrate funny dialogue for the sting? Uh, (laughs) You mean the way that we naturally do it all the time?